0: Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are.
1: Hi, this is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you for joining us. Um, we have a concept today, but I'm not totally sure how, what I should call it. <laughs> how to phrase it. Mm. <laughs> So I'm just going to say that we're going to talk a little bit about how people sort of mislabel their dogs, or in their effort to make their dogs seem like they're good dogs, which they all are, they're afraid to look at behavior and actually see it for what it is, and how behavior can then become a bigger thing than it it would be if they had just acknowledged it to begin with. So Laura's giving me the blank stare. This is always fun.
2: So anyway. um, Which means you know how people are listening to this. (laughs) I have no idea what she just said. Okay. Well, let me explain.
1: I recently went to talk to a friend of mine, and she had an incident with one of her dogs where um, she has a roommate. The roommate has a new boyfriend. The boyfriend's really over the top with his... Enthusiasm. He's one of those people who quote knows dogs. And he so, thinks he knows them better than he does. Yes. So he can absolutely knows how to make friends with them. Anyway, he's really overpowered her dogs. He's come in. He's been really loud and boisterous and lots of you know heavy duty rubbing and all these things on dogs that don't know him, and the dogs are pretty uncomfortable about the whole thing, and have been pretty uncomfortable. And I guess one of them, you know, s- submissively urinated when he did it, and one of them. Um, Gets up and walks out of the room when he enters the room. They're they're uncomfortable. That's always a good sign. Yeah, they're uncomfortable. And one of them is just basically sort of stood still, and you can see that she's not happy, but she stays in the room. So my friend is not well. She's having, uh, she's had some physical issues, some orthopedic issues, and so she was in the house and she went from the back part of her house to the front part of her house and the dog came with her and she didn't realize that the boyfriend was there. This is the boyfriend of the roommate, not her boyfriend. And he came out of the bedroom of her roommate's bedroom and came walking up the hall behind them. And at some point, for some reason, the dog ended up with her front legs up on him. I'm sure she was aggressing. I'm sure she was being tough with him. I'm sure she was trying to stop him. And he is holding her mouth in his hand <laughs> holding her muzzle and he's got a hold of her neck and this is when your friend got back there after she yes. heard commotion and he's telling her the dog you are not the boss I am the boss and you know kind of doing the whole over the top anyway we're not even going to go there because I'm not totally sure how that all played out but um, the long and the short of it is that the roommate is going to move out because my friend who owns the home and the dog said to her, I think we can't have him over here because I think he really is too much for my dogs and I think that he's going to bring out some negative behavior in my dogs and I think she's spot on. You know, he's just really Mm -hmm. taken way too many liberties with these dogs and they're not comfortable and now the one has figured out that she can back him down. And so the the roommate's going to move out and so that guy is now out of the picture. And so I was telling my friend, you know, That's great, except now you need to acknowledge that after this incident happened, which wasn't your dog's fault, but she was partially um, the one who made the decisions here because she made the decision to jump up and and get tough with him. My dogs would never have done that. But you have to recognize that that she exhibited what we would consider to be a dangerous behavior. Yes.
2: And that it may not have been an
1: isolated incident. It probably won't be an isolated incident. Um, in the past, she's allowed work people and that kind of thing. She has a pretty piece, big piece of property to come and go and do their thing, and the dogs just hang around, and she doesn't... I would lock up the dogs in that set of circumstances. She doesn't. But I said to her, you know, now you're going to be have to be a little bit more careful because this dog is not terribly comfortable with men to begin with. Now she's had this situation with a guy where she responded in a what we would in consider... a pretty aggressive manner. Yeah, pretty aggressive. And And I said to her, you know you just have to recognize that this is not, probably not going to be an isolated incident. Mm -hmm. Now, what you can do is start working on this behavior, and you can start teaching her different types of coping mechanisms, and you can teach her that you're going to be there to protect her, because one of the things that my friend was very aware of is I didn't protect my dogs. I knew they were uncomfortable, and I know you're going to be really upset with me because I didn't protect my dogs. I said, well, hey, listen, we all make mistakes, but your dog took matters into her own paws, and so now if a workman is there and she's a little uncomfortable and you're not picking up correctly on those signs and you're not really recognizing it enough to know that you need to protect your dog your dog might react in what you consider to be an unusual manner a completely out-of-the-blue manner and she might go after one of those work people and it's not going to be out of the blue because now she's told you I have the nerve to do this and and this has occurred to me that this is maybe a good way to get away from the people who are are uh, intimidating me or upsetting So, like,
2: even in the past, if she's tolerated, because there haven't been any incidents when work people have been on the property, it doesn't mean that she was 100% comfortable with them being there. Mm-hmm. And so now that this incident has happened, which kind of pushed her over the edge, it's possible that her threshold for this in the future and for her tolerance of, of strangers on the property in the future, that that threshold is now much lower. Right and if
1: if her owner does not recognize that
2: and help her get out of the
1: situation and proactively take control of that situation and proactively deal with that the likelihood that they're going to have another incident is great yes and I think, she can't just
2: go on with business as usual is what you're saying.
1: No, and I think that that's what happens a lot of times for a lot of people, is I think something like this happens, and because there's a specific set of circumstances that surrounds it, the guy's really over the top, he's been taking liberties with the dogs, they've been uncomfortable, he comes up behind them, he's not wearing shoes, he's quiet, he sneaks what she considers to be sneaks up on the back of the dog, the dog reacts. So she has, in essence, because she's looked at everything and said well listen you know it's not surprising that the dog reacted in a way she said okay well we're gonna just pretend that didn't happen because there were all these mitigating circumstances
2: right right kind of making excuses for the dog and and that those three things that came together to make the perfect storm is never going to happen again
1: right and what I think that happens with people a lot Mm -hmm. I think that they don't understand that it doesn't have to be that
2: perfect storm because Mm -hmm. the threshold has now changed. Yeah. We we just can't have anybody walking in the back hallway in socks anymore. (laughs) Coming up on the dog. Well, I'm keeping in mind that my
1: friend is, you know, she's having a problem because she's had some orthopedic problems. So she's pretty weak right now. And so there's a little bit of protectiveness that comes into play with that with most dogs. I know my dogs act much more like they need to take things in their own paws when I'm Incapacitated in some way, so anyway, um, it got me thinking about how often dogs will make mistakes. They'll do something that, in the dog world, seems like a good idea. Like for this dog, this seemed like a good idea for her, and
2: and and it may have seemed like the only option.
1: Exactly, and and you know what? And it
2: might have been.
1: It might have been her only option, or you know, she there might have been a reason that she saw that, but. By my friend who wants to learn from this and was very open to listening to what I had to say, but by my friend sort of minimizing it going, mm-hmm. look. Making all the excuses. And making it about an isolated incident. Well, see, it has to be this perfect storm or she's, not, she's much, because my dog's reliable. She won't just go off it, unless there's this absolute perfect storm. And I was trying to get her to recognize you can't assume that for the next time. You're going to have to be more careful. And that doesn't mm. mean that you walk around and every time there's work people over, you're nervous and uptight and, and careful about it. It means that you close the dog up or you take her out in a controlled situation and, and you do work some training. Up.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Because a lot of times what happens is dog's behavior will escalate. And the and by the time the owner really acknowledges that they have a problem, something really terrible has happened. Mm-hmm. So my friend has a choice. She can either learn at this point, okay, this has identified a problem that I am going to have to, to work on. Yes, I could have probably made this problem better if I had protected my dog, if I had realized this guy was over the top and actually told him, you need to stop that right now because it's causing a problem and you need to not do this. But she didn't, okay? So now she has this set of circumstances, and she has to identify that as a problem and say, now I'm going to have to be more careful, and mm-hmm. when people come over, I'm going to have to work through this problem to give the dog some different skills and some different options.
2: Right. Were any of the other dogs involved in this incident, or was she the only dog around? The other dogs
1: were in the house, but nobody responded.
2: Okay. This dog
1: is a German Shepherd out of Shits and Lines. She's okay. a, you know, she's a lot of dog. Mm-hmm. And she's a lovely dog. I adore her. I mean, I've worked with her, and she's a fabulous dog. But she's a lot of dog, and she's a lot of dog for a pet family, in my opinion. I don't know that I would have placed her in this home, but I certainly don't think they should get rid of her. Right, but she has to then take things like this very seriously. But I think that that happens to people in general. I think that um, my experience throughout the years is that people will have situations where they'll they'll call me, and the dog has done something really bad, and they'll say it just came out of the blue. We've never, you know, we had no idea that this was going to happen. And then when I go and I start to talk to them, and over a period of time, not necessarily even when I'm taking a history, but as I get to know them better and as we work better,
2: little pieces of information come out. And you're thinking, there was a red flag, there was a red flag, Yes. that was a red flag, but they didn't connect the dots. They didn't see how that behavior was leading up to, or that combination of behaviors was leading up to this event. Right. And I think that happens a lot happens a lot where, where we can see. It's kind of like we've seen the future enough times. You know, mm-hmm. we, We've seen dogs that now are doing something, and we've taken enough histories to go, ooh, look at all those little things back there that just came together and made this, and it all leads to the same place. Right, and if they had been
1: savvy enough to recognize it, which is not a crime that they weren't. I'm no. just saying if they had, we probably could have avoided the big disaster thing mm-hmm. that happened. And I think part of the reason that people don't connect those dots is because they don't want to see their dog at fault. So when something happens, this perfect storm of events where this dog probably didn't feel that she had any other choices, okay? So she minimizes and excuses the behavior, because she says, well, see, the dog didn't have a choice, so she did what she had to do. She doesn't want to look at it as, my dog has a problem, because she doesn't want to label her dog as bad. right? And I think as dog trainers, we don't label dogs as bad. We be, we label behavior as potentially leading to something else, or potentially dangerous, or potentially problematic, or potentially right, or right. potentially positive. Right. And
2: I think and I think that that's a good point because I think that people, you know, I mean, I get emails or phone calls from people who say my dog is is a resource guarder or my dog is dog aggressive, or my dog is right as mm-hmm. opposed to he guards things. Mm-hmm. He, guard, he guards resources as opposed to he is a resource guarder. Mm-hmm. And I think that the difference in that concept, the difference in how you put that kind of tells you where they are coming from. Mm-hmm. My dog is this in, instead of he displays this behavior. Right. Because behavior is something we can do something about. Right. But he is, that's gets kind of a permanent
1: it does it absolutely does it becomes who the dog is yeah as opposed to what he does the habit that he has formed and of course a habit that can be formed can be changed unformed right but because it's really difficult for people to understand that in order to have a healthy view of your dog you need to isolate it out as behavior instead of putting a label on them so then you don't have to worry about putting a isolating behavior because it doesn't necessarily imply a label if I say I remember one time years ago there was a pit bull in a class a friend of mine had a training class and there was a pit bull in this class and I watched her and she was a cool dog and the guy loved her he really loved her and of course I'm a huge pit bull person I love them so but I watched her and I watched her she had a little edge to her you know she just did and I went up to him and I tried to talk to him about it. And he was, no, 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 no. She's great. She's a wonderful dog. And of course, part of that comes from having a pit bull and you are a little bit defensive because people tend to be really hateful (laughs) about pit bulls in general. But And I had tried to talk to him about it, and I wasn't getting anywhere. So at some point, I went over, and I was talking to him, and I was petting her. And when I was petting her, I ran my hand up and put it on top of her muzzle. I did not push down. I didn't do anything aggressive to this dog at all. I simply covered her muzzle with my hand, Mm -hmm. and she fired on me. Yeah. And he was really upset, Mm -hmm. really upset with me. And I said, you know, it's just... He was upset uh, with you. He was. What did you do? It must have been something that I did. And I said to him, "I, you know what? I did. But what I did was nothing that anybody couldn't do accidentally because on the street, they don't when know they better. Say,
2: right. And if he thinks that his dog is so great and doesn't have any problems, people are going to come up and say, can I pet your dog? He's going to say yes. And somebody is eventually going to put trigger, their hand on this trigger. dog's muzzle. That's right. And trigger that behavior. And they're not going to be a
1: trainer and they're not going to know what to do. Right. First of all, I wasn't surprised. I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I also knew, she's a pretty nice dog, and I knew that she wasn't going, she was going to muzzle punch me or something first. She wasn't just yeah. going to bite me. She wasn't an aggressive dog. But it was a problem. And it was something that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. And because he didn't want to see his dog in a negative light, he didn't want to think of her as aggressive, he wanted to close his eyes and right. not see that this was something that we needed to work on.
2: Yeah. Because once she's aggressive, then she's an aggressive pit bull. Right. Well, to his credit, because his girlfriend told me he wanted to kill
1: me that night, <laughs> he was really mad. But to his credit, he thought about it, and he did come around. I said to him, look, you know what, I just want you to know, this is not me calling your dog a bad dog. I adore your dog. I think she's wonderful. But you have a problem here. And this is the kind of thing that anybody could trigger accidentally. And even though he was mad at me that day, he ended up being coming a client. And mm-hmm. we worked with the dog, and she was a lovely dog, and I adore her. Well, she's gone now, but I adored her, this dog. But we worked with that. Yeah. And I think that if you are so worried about not giving your dog a label. Yeah, you label the behavior. You don't label the dog. That's right. You recognize that there is a tremendous amount of freedom
2: in, in, in being able to just identify a behavior versus right. label the dog. Yeah, because one labeling one little behavior is so minuscule compared to the rest of the dog
1: and it's but not the same you, thing but
2: no it's not the same thing and once you label a dog then you're labeling the dog the dog now walks around with like these parentheses or quotation marks around dog aggressive he's a dog aggressive dog as opposed to eh, he's a little bit reactive on the leash
1: He acts, that's right, which means he acts a little bit reactive on a leash. It doesn't mean he is something. It means he acts that way. Yes. And that can be undone. So what I guess what I wanted to talk about today, and see, I knew if we just talked about it long enough, it would kind of come to me, what I was trying to get at, is that you can identify problem behaviors in your dog without fear of labeling your dog something negative. And you don't need to label, for those of you who do this, you don't need to label your dog as something negative. Or your neighbor's dog. How many times have you had that happen? Somebody's angry at the neighbor's dog, and they go, oh, that nasty dog. Well, we do that because we're angry. But the truth is that's a dog with problem behaviors.
2: Yeah, like barking. And usually with neighbors, it's, and I have a friend who, there's a dog across the street that barks. The guy works late hours, and the dog barks and the neighbors next to that guy are really upset and they want to take it out on the dog Mm -hmm. instead of dealing with the guy they want to take it out on the dog it's like well the dog is out there at two o'clock in the morning all by herself right that's not the dog's problem right
1: I have a neighbor who has a dog that um I think we talked about this in a podcast once that um when it's loose it's pretty tough (laughs) and I had a client that was picking up a dog from my house and this dog came barreling at us and i was trying to stop it just so she could get the dog in the car her dog in the car so that i was trying to stop the neighbor dog and when i tried to back off the neighbor dog she got tough with me right i remember we talked about this yeah kind of scary well that's the kind of dog that i as the neighbor will label that's a bad dog except i'm a dog trainer Mm -hmm. And I recognize that's a dog with some really serious habits. Mm -hmm. Now, my neighbors will never deal with those habits, so that will, unfortunately, create a label for the dog. But if they would just wake up and not... Because they
2: told me, oh, no, she's a sweet dog. Like, I didn't say she wasn't sweet. I said she came after me at my car. Yeah. (laughs) And how she behaves with them on their property in their living room, cuddled up on the couch at night, is not how she displays herself outside on in public.
1: And she may very well be a sweet dog. I didn't say she wasn't a sweet dog. What I said was she came after me in my front yard. She was willing to back me down in my front yard. And if I had pushed at all, she'd have bitten me. I don't have a, a question in my mind. Does that make her an aggressive dog? Well, I guess if maybe in legal terms it would, but I wouldn't label her that. I, what I would say is you have a problem and you need to deal with it. They never will deal with it. So she will go down with the label of aggressive dog. Yeah. But the thing for owners to realize is if you have a dog that's exhibiting a behavior, you shouldn't minimize that behavior because you don't because you're afraid that your dog is going to have to wear a negative label. You don't have to label the dog. Don't worry about it. It's like my friend not wanting to see her dog in a negative light, so she's saying, "Well, no, this is the perfect storm," and that's why she did it. And, and it's I, never
2: going to happen again.
1: Well, because I know that that was what her thought process was. Yeah. And I said to her, "Okay, you know, I got good news and bad news here.
2: It's it's it probably would happen again, except we can fix this." Right. Because we can we can anticipate. Yes. What? We have to take apart those little because as trainers, we don't lump everything together ideally, right? We take little bits of behavior. So what I would suggest And I'm sure that you know this, but if I were talking to a client, I would say, well, let's take apart the behavior. Mm -hmm. What happened? What were all of the pieces that came together to make this perfect storm and train those separately? What can we do to kind of take those little pieces of behavior and make it so that it's a good thing for the dog and not a bad thing for the dog? Right. So that we now have that threshold at a higher level instead of such a low level.
1: Well, and to be honest with you, with this dog, I know she's got a little bit of a lack of trust in men. And so can we work around that? We sure can. But does it mean that we're going to have to not allow her to just be loose with the workmen where she can make an inappropriate thing and then get labeled as a
2: bad dog or an aggressive dog or do something bad to hurt somebody? Well, then not only that, but the more she does it, the more confidence she's going to gain in doing these behaviors. Which is why the which is
1: why the threshold changes. I mean, yeah. that is what it's all about, is they start to become confident and they go, Hey, I didn't know I could do that, but now I do. Yeah. It works so I, well. Uh-huh. And now I'm gonna get better at it. So for um for owners that are listening to this, I guess I would invite you to look at your dog. We listen, everybody's dogs have good behavior and bad behavior, or or behavior that we would like to see again and behavior that we would like to see go by the wayside. And so I would invite you to look at your dog and really identify the behaviors that you think have the potential to be a bit of a problem and realize that it doesn't make your dog a bad dog and that it simply means that you identify those behaviors
2: and start working with them, start working on them. Right. Dogs can generalize good behaviors like, okay, sit in the kitchen can also apply to sit on the sidewalk or sit in a store or sit here or there or anywhere. Dogs can also generalize bad behaviors. So just because this happened in the hallway with one particular guy, doesn't mean that she's not then going to generalize that same behavior to someplace else with somebody else. Right.
1: And you don't really know what were the strongest triggers in that set of circumstance. Right.
2: Because she really doesn't know what happened. All she knows is what the guy said happened. Right. right. And we know that his perception of dogs is not all that great. No. Because otherwise, he would have known that he was pushing the dogs too far. Yeah. It's worrisome. What I know is what the dog did. That's what I told her. You know what we,
1: what we do know is what the dog did. We, know, we do know what the dog did. Mm-hmm. We do know that she got up and she jumped on him and she had her front feet on him. And she was, she's a tall dog. When she mm-hmm. stands up, she's a big dog. We know that. So that gives us something to work on. We know that we don't want her to do that with somebody mm-hmm. because that would potentially go to even a worse place. I mean, we don't even want her to do that, but we certainly don't want her to bite somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm concerned about that. So that's what I would invite people to do, is to start recognizing that you can identify your dog's behaviors and work on them as behaviors. And I think what sets us apart sometimes with our own dogs as trainers is that we look at things that they do as behavior and just know that there's places to work on, rather than looking at them as good or bad dogs. I have all good dogs, as do you. Oh, yeah. All my dogs have always been good. As do everybody I know. Have my dogs ever had problem behaviors? Heck, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. good dogs mm-hmm. they've just had problem behaviors so that's it that's where i wanted to go with that but okay. connect the dots understand that if you have a situation like that you need to identify it so that it doesn't come out in another way in a more serious the next time in a more serious way and become a building of behaviors because that's a lot of the people that we
2: see so we need to figure out a really good title for this one
1: I, 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 I. okay your turn
2: We'll think of something cool. And you'll know, of course, by the time you listen to this.
1: And hopefully we'll be a little more succinct than I was in the beginning. All right. So thank you very much for joining us. This is Kim Reinhart
2: with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Burhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank you very much.
0: You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at Dog dish Topics at Yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818 800 4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818 890 1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. And remember, you can find Doggy Dish on Facebook and download us from iTunes. Thank you for listening.